promote the practice of homosexuality. So the High Court of England sent a clear message, and I will quote the brief. Christian ethics, uh, the beliefs are potentially harmful to children, and Christian parents with mainstream Christian views are not suitable to be considered as potential foster parents. The Equalities and Human Rights Commission submitted a brief that the children that were already in the Jones care risked being infected by Christian morals. You know, they're right. Not right in the moral sense, but right in the sense, in the technical sense. If Christians are going to raise children, I hope that they infect them with Christian morals. Am I right? Jesus stated that Christians affect their surroundings. And for three and a half years, Jesus went around the countryside in Judea, Galilee, to Jerusalem, even went to to other parts that were outside of the Jewish nation, and he preached a message of repent and come into the kingdom, my kingdom. Now, the kingdom of Jesus is completely and radically different than the kingdom of this world. Are Are you with me on that? In fact, that's what I've got up there. The kingdoms of this world are completely different. And today, Jesus is going to tell us that the citizens of his kingdom infect others in a good way. And this kingdom stuff is important. I'm going to quiz you. Just see how good you are in your Bible trivia. How many chapters are there in the New Testament? Take a wild guess. How many? Many. Okay, that's, uh, that's pretty cheesy. A hundred? More than a hundred chapters? I'm talking chapters, not books. Okay, more than a hundred chapters, because you can almost do that with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts. Okay, 200? Okay, I'll just get to the point. 260 chapters. You know how many times this kingdom concept is mentioned, or the word kingdom? 151 times. Almost more than half the times in every other chapter, if you were to line it out that way, the, the, the gospel or the New Testament is talking about this kingdom business. So kingdom business is important stuff. So hope you have your Bibles with you. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to pick it up at verse 13. We just we have gone through the Beatitudes. And Jesus is going to make another radical statement. Matthew chapter 5 beginning at verse 13. Listen to these words. He says, you are. Now, I I sometimes just fantasize in my mind about how Jesus taught and what the crowds looked like and all that. And I think that he might have been pointing his finger. You, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. And then he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's just cut straight to the first fill in the blanks. 
Point number one, he says you, you, the Beatitudes are the character traits of a citizen of Jesus' kingdom. So you can either be of the world in that kingdom or you can be in Jesus' kingdom. And if you're going to be in Jesus' kingdom, he just outlined your character traits. Remember? Humility, repentance, meekness. In fact, let's just run through them. We're broken. We need God. We're poor in spirit. We're repentant. We're giving God the control. We want to be near Him. We hunger and thirst for righteousness. We're forgiving. We're merciful. We're being transformed. We're pure in heart. We love others and seek reconciliation. And we're the peacemakers. And the last one, and we, we are willing to suffer for righteousness' sake through persecution. But when Jesus, back in our original text, He says, you are the salt of the earth, it's emphatic. In, in other words, you and only you are the salt of the earth. No other people group is the salt of the earth. The world's moral uh, decay and corruption will not be held in check. There will be no pushback and its darkness will not be challenged unless God's people become salt and light. The very ones that hate Christians don't realize that Christians are the only world's hope. Do you, do you realize that? You are God's plan A to retard moral decay? I mean, the things that have happened in the last 10 years blow my mind. How, anybody with me? You know, this year, you know what's happened to the Boy Scouts, right? The Boy Scouts said, okay, we're going to let homosexuals become scout leaders and take them camping out into the woods. Oh, that's not enough. Now we're going to let the girls join the Boy Scouts. This year at the Boy Scout Jamboree, they're passing out condoms to every Boy Scout that's going into his tent with the other boy. What? Where has our world gone? And if Christians, Christians, he says, you are the salt of the world. Wow. And he says, are, and it's, it's being, um, it's a verb, of course, you are, and it's a state of being, and it's not like, I want you to become the salt of the world. I want you to be the light of the world. Jesus is making an emphatic statement that says, no, you are the side of the world. If my spirit is living in you, it's going to come out. It goes from the head to the heart to the hands. Can you do that? Head, heart, hands. Come on with me. Head, heart, hands. Christ is living in you. You are going to be salt. Because when wickedness comes up, there's something inside of you that says, that's not right. And I have to do something about it or be a part of the solution. The only thing that the text says is, he goes back and says, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, you're in trouble, right? So let's go on to the next point then. Salt then influences its surroundings. Salt has many purposes, right? And they were all, most of all these purposes were used in the time of Christ. You got a canker sore, what do you do? 
You rinse your mouth out with salt, right? My grandmother used to use salt because she didn't have enough money to buy toothpaste and she used salt to brush her teeth. Yeah, killed all the, uh, the bacteria in there. I mean, it worked. What is salt good for? Is it good on hamburgers? Watermelon? Yeah, I mean, salt brings out flavor. Have you ever had salt pork? Have you ever had bacon that's been cured with salt? Salt is a preservative. It flavors things. It's an antiseptic. Salt has a lot of things, and it's affecting its surroundings. It works when it is in contact with something else. It's internal. It's active. It's not passive. And Jesus uses salt as a metaphor. Uh, It's funny. How many of you know where we got the word the flu from? Flu comes from influenza, which is uh, an Italian word that means influence, which means that, oh, they understood years ago that you can, can... contaminate somebody, that it's contagious, you've influenced them. That's how we got the the word flu. It comes from the word influence, really, in uh, the Italian language. Christians consciously or unconsciously affect people for better or worse. And let's talk about the worst part for a second. I was coming home from a Christian convention and it said, you know, we had to wear name tags because you had to pay to go. And had this little name tag that said Christian Convention. And I left, and it was a two-hour drive home. And I pulled into a, a gas station, and I was paying for my gas. And this lady came in, and she was belligerent, and she was saying, that guy out there, he almost hit me. What an idiot. I can't believe how many idiots there are. And I... I was curious about who this woman was, so I turned around, and there she has the same label I have. She just came from the Christian convention. And I want, I should have, I want, you know, you have regrets in life. I should have went over there and slapped her upside the head and said, if you're going to talk like that, take that off. Because the whole world knows that you are representing Christ, and you are not representing Christ well right now. Because it's all about you, and you're calling people names. Christians must permeate our culture to slow down corruption and moral decay, not be a part of it. Historically, Christians have been salt, and the church has had a powerful influence on the culture. The church, Christians, can be credited for the advances of medicine, of prison reform, schools, orphanages, The abolition of slavery, stopping child labor, stopping the sex trade. Christians have impacted our world. And if you were to take Christians out, the world would go to pot real fast, right? Did you guys read about the the guy up in Canada? Two years ago, he went to a gay pride festival. He handed out 300 pamphlets that said, uh, here's all the sexual disease you can get by having unsafe homosexual sex. So he was persecuted. He, he, he was charged with a, um, a civil crime. He was taken to court. And uh, this happened two years ago. Now, this is the same parade where they have the crucifix, images of Jesus on their crotch 
and they're dancing. So here's this guy that is trying to be salt, passing out literature, warning the homosexual community about all the dangers of unprotected sex. And I'm sure he threw a few Bible verses in there saying it was wrong. The Canadian government has been on the hunt for him. He moved from this province to this province, not knowing that he was wanted by the law. Suddenly, it be- he became an all-out bulletin for the, can- the Moral Mounties. He turned himself in last week. He is going to spend two years, he up to two years, and pay like a $5,000 fine because he passed out a pamphlet. Because it said, well, you're hateful. And he's like, no, I'm not hateful. I'm not hateful. I was warning them about all the sexual diseases that you can get when you participate in an ungodly lifestyle. And you just go, wow. Oh, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Now, there, there are things that can happen in our world that are big. Do you hear about the billionaire that just bought all the toys from Toys R Us? Toys R Us is going out of business. So he bought the rest of the toys and he's going to give them away to all the kids. Great. But you know who makes the real difference? You. That's what Jesus is saying. You are the salt of the earth. In your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your marriage, in your parenting, at your Walmart or your Sprouts or your health food store or your gym, wherever you go, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. There's a historian that said this. Christianity saved England from a revolution such as France was experiencing at the end of the 1700s. The only difference between France's revolution, remember the guillotine and they were chopping everybody's head and let them eat cake and all of that, the revolutions that they were just slaughtering, all the people that had any kind of wealth, they were being slaughtered to death, and it wasn't happening in England. And historians credit that it was the evangelical Christians that it was, there was a certain uh, awakening that happened. There was some preaching going on. And England was saved because the Christians did not take that path. Now, here it is from, from history. So what's the next fill in the blank? Here it is. Tasty Christianity is great. How'd you like that? Is that like... Tasty Christianity is great. Christians should be adding zest and spice and joy. In a black and white world, we should be a color. We are the ones that bring righteousness. Mike Iaconelli is a Christian author, and he wrote this. He said, Christianity is not learning how to live within the lines. Christianity is about the joy of coloring. Of all the people that should be happy in the world, it should be Christians. And your joy should infect people. It should bring a different mood to your workplace. Here's the negative side, though. B, tasteless Christianity is what? It's worthless. Go back to the text. Salt has lost its taste. How shall the saltiness be restored. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Loses its saltiness is is literally to be defiled, to be defiled. 
Now, in Jesus' day, he didn't go to the grocery store and people bought Morton salt, right? How many of you use Morton salt? You know, the old the girl with the umbrella? Their salt had impurities in it. So they put it in clay pots. Now, sometimes the clay pot would leach out the salt. Or if a little moisture got in there, any impurity that was in the salt would leach the saltiness into its own existence. And pretty soon you, you went to the store and you bought a little pot of, of salt and you got home and three months later you took it out and it wasn't salt anymore. In fact, it didn't taste good. It tasted more like dirt. And what would you do with it? You just open your front door and you throw it on the ground. That's all it was worth. When Christians become too much like the world, we lose our impact. When we mix with the world's impurities, we can't get the job done. Carnal Christians, you ever hear that word carnal? That just means somebody that's letting their life not be run by Jesus, but by their own desires. That's a carnal Christian. They influence the world as too but they become hypocrites to the Word of God. Hypocrites, unfortunately. And there are some churches out there that have lost their saltiness. They're into all sorts of things except for what the gospel says. But Jesus then uses another metaphor that it still influences, but it has different properties. And here's the third fill in the blank or for point number three. Light illumines the truth about its surroundings. It exposes what's real and what is shadow. Don't you wish our news was like that? Where we could really be told the truth instead of being spun? It's just maddening. Just maddening. But light is honest and clarifying. Light is not usually noticed when it's daytime because you you see what it is illuminating. But at nighttime you see a, a city on a hill. Uh, the other night, um, our Bible study that meets on Tuesday, we went out to uh, White Sands to watch the moon rise and see how bright it was. All the clouds were in the way. That was a real bummer, but we had a great time out there. But it is amazing how bright the moon can be when it's dark. And so a light illuminates. Proverbs 4, 18, 19 says this way, The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn which shines brighter and brighter until full day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Salt, salt's hidden when you put it on meat, but light is obvious. Salt works unnoticed, but light is very noticeable. Salt works on the inside, but light is on the outside. Salt works in our day-to-day contact with the world, but light works, catch this, through what we verbalize about the truth, what we teach and preach about God's Word. There's, there's a picture of a, I think the next slide. That is a lamp in Jesus' day. You see the wick and you see the oil, right? You ever think about this? Because I'm, I'm just going on a tangent for a second. The difference between a candle and a lamp A candle, once you light it, it consumes itself, doesn't it? But a lamp will continue to burn as long as you keep adding oil. Isn't that amazing? 
If you are trying to be salt and light at your work and your strength, you're like a candle. But if you are salt and light at work and you're using Jesus' strength in which to do it, it's like you're a lamp and He just keeps replenishing that oil, replenishing that strength. We can't live the Christian life in our own strength because we'll burn out. How many of you know burned out Christians? People that gave up on Jesus, gave up on church because they tried to do this whole being salt and light in their own strength and they failed because you will. But when you're walking it out in His strength, you start impacting the world and you don't even know it. You don't even know it. And a light is, is meant to shine. That's the next fill in the blank. Light reveals truth. Light represents the verbalization of truth, the why behind our actions. Why does... Okay, I'm going to... All my parenting kids out there, I'll call you my parenting kids. Why do you take your grocery cart back to the corral? Why? You see people take their grocery cart to their car. Some of them just leave it right there for it to bang into another car. And other people decide to take it back to the corral. Why does a Christian take his cart or her cart to the corral? Because we're thinking of the person behind us. It is the right thing to do. That's truth. That's why we do it. And this concept of of this metaphor of light and truth raises a question then. Is our light supposed to expose sin? Or is it supposed to light a path to God? That's a good question, really. Because a lot of people say, oh, we're supposed to get down on everybody. Or are we supposed to show them the path? I'm on this side of the camp. Yes, we condemn wrong behavior. Sixty million children have been aborted in our country. Sixty million children have been aborted. Sixty million children have been killed, torn apart, ripped apart, and supposed to be the safest place in the world for them, their mother's womb. We don't want to talk about that anymore. Christians... We stand up because life is precious. Are you with me on that? Life is precious because the Bible says that life is precious. And so light sometimes means shining in confrontation. But watch out that it doesn't become condemnation. We're not supposed to be a magnifying glass. We're supposed to be a lighthouse. Right? So that we pray that future generations will not take their children. So I believe the Word of God does both. Spirit does its convicting. But our job is to hold out the Word of life. In Philippians it says this. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. That you may be blameless and innocent. Children of God without blemish. In the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. Holding on to the, to the Word of life. So I know none of you use social media. 
Christians who use social media from Twitter to Facebook to the world is watching. Google's been watching and selling your information to China for years, but you, you are being watched. What you post, what you like, what you don't like, what you link. Are you posting light in this world of relativism? Or are you posting just your opinion? Truth isn't an opinion. It isn't an opinion. And then Jesus goes on and says this. You are the light of the world, and a city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. I mean, that's just common sense, right? You take your lamp that's lit, and you put it on a stand so everybody can see. You put it over a basket, and not only can you not see, it also suffocates the flame. You know, I might catch your house on fire. It's interesting that the word for wind is the same as the word for, for, fi, uh, 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 for spirit. And there's just this little nuance there that, that, wait, what? If we were to take our light and try to hide it from other people, we're actually kind of suffocating the flame that's burning within us. But good things happen when we do stand out and let our light shine. So here's the next fill in the blank. Do not hide your light. Because he shines in us and we have to let it out. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not be in darkness but have the light. So following Christ is not a private matter. So let me kind of put this all together in a little bow. Salt influences that which we come in contact with, our actions. Light influences what it illumines, what truth is. And Our text in verse 16, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I like that that, uh, truth has a way of making people make decisions. I've heard it said that men are either like eggs or potatoes. Hot water either hardens you or makes you soft. Light does the same thing. When truth hits a Christian's life, it's either going to make you more like Jesus or you're going to walk away from Jesus because you don't like what you're hearing because you have to change. I love what Mother Teresa said. She said this, People are often unreasonable and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are honest, people may cheat you. Be honest anyways. If you find happiness, people may be jealous. Be happy anyways. The good you do today may be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyways. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough, but give your best anyways. For you see in the end, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyways. Isn't that good? That is really good. Christians are not to reflect the world, but we're to influence the world. And we're to be in the world, but not of it. Heather's going to show you just a one-minute video that just is sobering, but then we're going to turn the corner and end in a different note. 
You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. I love the, the last fill in the blank. Christ living in you is internal and external. It has to make a difference in your life. If we just kind of go through the games, society will continue to slide. It will just continue to go, go as they sail the, uh, to hell in a handbasket, right? That's the old saying. If we do not let Jesus live inside of us. I don't know if this is the next quote, Heather. Uh, anyone who thinks sitting in church can make you a Christian must also think that sitting in a garage can make you a car. Being salt and being light is a real deal. And that's why the whole Beatitudes were so important. You are the light of the world. Because you've come to know Jesus. You've come to know that your world wasn't perfect. And you don't condemn others, but you want them to find the path. You want them to see the lighthouse. You want them to know the difference Jesus can make in your life. Because he does make a a difference. Some people will change their ways because they see the light. Other people will change their ways because they feel the heat. Are you with me on that? Uh, I, I didn't share, but I can share with you. Let me go back uh, to the text out of Corinthians. He says this, For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. I shared that last week, but I'm quoting it verbatim right now. To one, a fragrance from death, and the other, a fragrance to life. You represent Christ, and so how you behave is important. But I love that Jesus isn't saying, you have to be salt, you have to be light. He's saying it as a result. He says, you are salt, you are light. If you have Jesus in you, you automatically are making a difference. And it reminded me of a story that I heard long ago. There was a man who was on a voyage. He's out at sea. It's one of those old-time vessels like 1950s where they have a little porthole. And he got really seasick. And he's just really sick. And there's a distress signal that comes over the intercom saying that someone has fallen overboard. And here he is just retching himself uh, in his stomach. And he thinks, Lord, what can I do? What can I do? And by, by God's grace, by his design, this man lights a lamp and he sticks it out at the porthole. And he's trying to see if he can see anything. He thinks, this is my job. I am going to try to see if I can see the man who's fallen overboard. Well, a few weeks now, a few weeks go by. One week goes by. He gets steady enough. He kind of gets his sea legs. He gets up, up onto the top of the ship, onto the deck, and he runs into the man who had fallen over, and he hears his testimony. And the man's testimony was this. I had already sunk twice, and he used all of his energy to come up for the third time, and he said, and suddenly there was a light that shone from a porthole in the rescue boat saw my hand, just my hand, because it was illuminated. And he was grabbed on and pulled into the lifeboat. He thought that he had done nothing. And yet, just because he took his little lamp to the porthole, that man was saved. People are watching you. You know what makes America great? You! Because Christ is living in you. You know what's going to save our country? You, because Jesus is the one that's impacting righteousness. We want righteousness to be in our land, not unrighteousness. And so 
even though we've talked about some pretty heavy-duty stuff, this is a message that is meant to encourage you. Jesus has already said, you're salt, you're light, by the way you allow him to live in you. You are impacting your culture whether you know it or not. And you might be called to just light a lamp and put it out of a porthole. Or you might be called to go down to a city council meeting and say, this is what I believe needs to be done for righteousness sake. Or you might sponsor a child that's in a foreign country because you know that there is misery in other countries and you want to help them. You are the one that makes a difference. You are the hope of America. Not you personally, but Christ in you makes a difference. Michael, you're teaching boys. You're teaching children. You can make a difference by being salt and light. Where's you, where are you, Chris? Chris, you're working at a detention center. You're working at the county jail. The way you live your life, the way you interact with, with people that have broken the law shows either contempt or hope. The way we live on our street, what we put on our, our bumper stickers, what we post on our social media, we can make a difference. You can make a difference. Don't expect the government to fix it. Am I right? You make the difference. And it's through His strength, not your own, His strength in being righteous. You do the right thing for the right reason regardless and you will be the shining light upon the hill that the poets have all talked about what America is. It's Christ living in you. And you will make a difference this week in someone's life. The way you treat somebody that comes to your door, the way you treat your neighbor, the way you treat the checkout person, the way you let the other person come in front of you, the way you do not respond to, the, respond to the bully that's trying to bully you with their car, you have a chance to live out and be salt and light. Let me pray. Father.